Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everybody. What is going on? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and this is episode 80 of the podcast here on Wednesday, October 26th. 2022 thank you all for listening we have got a ton of stuff to talk about this week on the podcast i've got my big topic it's our college basketball season preview because we previewed the nba two weeks ago on this podcast which you should go check out past the episode with hillbilly check that out this week is college basketball because next month in november college basketball begins and i've been having a lot of fact-filled predictions for college basketball recently so we are going to preview that sport but also to start the podcast i have a very special announcement which you all knew was coming but it is still very exciting which i'm going to get to in just a second but before we do i just wanted to remind y'all if you all like the xander's facts podcast if you think you're gonna like all the facts on this week's edition of the podcast Remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 80, rate and review the podcast, go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Sanders Facts is on there, that's Sander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread facts, Sanders Facts podcast, tell all your friends about all the facts, including the podcast. Xander's Weekend Facts, our weekly recap of the top's headlines, and our newsletter that comes out every Sunday morning. It is free. If you haven't, sign up in this episode's description. Check out Xander's Facts Linktree. It has got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, social media, where to find the podcast, where to find the newsletter, all that stuff is on the Xander's Facts Linktree. Tell all your friends about all the facts. And this week, we are introducing some new facts you all knew this announcement was coming i have been talking about it hinting at it for weeks it is finally here this week ladies and gentlemen get ready tell me tell me drum roll please even though i don't have that sound this week as in the week of this podcast coming out wednesday october 26th we are launching the official website of xander's facts how about that xander's facts dot com congratulations z-a-n-d-e-r-s-f-a-c-t-s dot com xandersfacts.com oh my gosh that went totally perfectly it is a big week in the history of xanders facts the almost this coming january two year history of xanders facts how about that but this week for the first time we are launching a website xandersfacts.com that website it is launching this Thursday at noon Eastern, noon Eastern time on Thursday is when Xandersfacts.com is launching. If you go to Xandersfacts.com right now before Thursday, October 27th at noon, it just shows you to get a password. But I have not given out that password. But on October 27th, that page will be gone. A new page will be on there, the homepage of Xander's Facts. Xander'sFacts.com is going to have everywhere that you can get the podcast. It is going to have the latest updates on every podcast episode. So if you get behind, go to Xander'sFacts.com. You can check out where to get it. 
YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcast thing, it tells you on the website where you can get it. It's got links. It's all this stuff. It's pretty awesome. Then it's got a link to Xander's Facts newsletter, which is still on the Substack page. That's a different website, but it's got a link to it on xandersfacts.com. So it's got those facts. And it also has the Xander's Facts shop, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, but it is finally ready to launch. Xander's Facts shop. Holy cow. I have been working on this for months. This is going to be exciting. Xander's Facts Shop, the only place to grab your facts swag. We have got Xander's Facts merchandise. It is the only place you can buy premium, high-quality Xander's Facts merchandise. I've tried out a couple of the products. They are pretty snazzy. So, on Thursday, check it out. I'm looking at it right now. We have got, good grief, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, pants if you're into that, hats, stickers, Xander's Facts stickers. Those are awesome. If you want to put up a flag for some reason, I mean, how about that Xander's Facts flag hanging outside your house, flowing in the wind, spreading the facts? I don't think so. I mean, just a little idea for you. Xander's Facts socks, Xander's Facts shorts. I mean, we have a total of 50 products at launch. On ZadersFacts.com, we have got stuff for everyone. We've got clothes, not just for adults, but for kids, too, because you are never too young to spread the facts. That is true. I'm looking at it. Water bottles, jackets, like some super nice hoodies and sweatshirts. Like, this stuff is not just cheap crap. It is good stuff, and it spreads the facts. This is the, literally, this might be the best way to spread the facts, because the proceeds from this shop are going to help make this podcast, the newsletter, and the shop, everything Xander's Facts, better. I know it can't get much better. They're already, this is the greatest podcast in the history of the world, but there are some things that could be improved. So if you want to spread the facts, if you want to support the facts, if you want to spend money, because who doesn't love spending money? Get that dough! Go to Xander's Facts. Dot com. There's a mug on here. There's mouse pads. If you still use a mouse, you can get a Xander's Facts mouse pad. I mean, like, this stuff is awesome. Like, I'm just scrolling through it right now. There are 50 products on this shop. And by the way, on Xander'sFacts.com, you can create your own Xander's Facts account. So on the shop, you can create your account. Sign in, and then if you make a purchase of $75 or more, you get free shipping. Whoa. How about that? Every purchase over $75 gets free shipping if you have a Xander's Facts account on the Xander's Facts shop, which you will be able to create at launch on Thursday. That is going to be awesome. And also, for the first week, that ZandersFacts.com is up. Beginning Thursday, for the next week, any purchase that you make over $50 is discounted by 15% using the promo code DEBUT15. D-E-B-U-T-1-5. It'll be up on the website, too. You'll be able to find it for the, for the first week. 15% off any purchase over $50 at the Zandersfax shop. Only at ZandersFacts.com. 
This thing is going to be awesome. I have been working a long time. Blood, sweat, and tears is what I have put into this shop. Maybe not literally, but figuratively. I mean, this has taken a while, and it is going to be awesome. The Xander's Facts Shop. Xander'sFacts.com launches this Thursday at noon. Be there or be square. Are you done? So how about that special announcement? Xander'sFacts.com, another place you can get all the facts. And the best way you can spread and support the facts. Thursday, noon, Xander'sFacts.com. So there you go. That's just the first thing that we've got on this podcast. Now let's get to our main topic for this week is sports, specifically basketball, specifically basketball at the collegiate level in the United States. Now it is only October. It's October 26th when this podcast comes out, but still it is time to talk some college hoops. As I mentioned two weeks ago, we previewed the NBA on this podcast. Now it is time to preview, not professional basketball, collegiate basketball. We are less than two weeks away from the college basketball season starting on Monday, November 7th, the day before Election Day, is when the college basketball season starts. So we are previewing it this week because last week the preseason AP Top 25 poll came out and that came out and I had some stuff to say about it. So we are previewing college basketball. This week on episode 80, you may remember last year we previewed college basketball, this podcast, on episode 40. So how about that? That was halfway back on this podcast somewhat. Episode 80 is this week's podcast, and we are previewing the 2022-2023 college basketball season. And of course, this is the only place you need to get your college basketball season preview because I've got all the facts that you need to be prepared because. You may have forgotten, but I'll just remind you. 2021, my bracket, which I revealed exclusively on this podcast, before the tournament started, March Madness, back of March, Baylor is who I had winning the championship. Guess who won? Baylor. Last year, this year, 2022, last season. Guess who I had winning the national championship before March Madness started? It was Kansas. Who won the national championship? I believe it was the Kansas Jayhawks. So you might want to be listening to these facts. Because clearly, I have all the college basketball facts. So there you go. Debatable. Let's get to it. We are going to be previewing all of the six power conferences in college basketball, the teams in there, and plus the biggest mid-majors, because there's a lot of those in college basketball. But before we get to all those, let's just start by taking a look at the preseason poll. The Associated Press Top 25 which was released last Monday. That is the first rankings that we have for this college basketball season. And these are actually, it's a preseason poll, it doesn't matter. But these are actually a good indicator. I'll tell you why. Because ESPN found that in the last 10 seasons, an average of 84% of the teams in the preseason poll make the NCAA tournament, with the average preseason ranking of the national champion being 5.9, the last national champion that was ranked outside of the top six to begin the season was Villanova in 2015 and 2016. Cool facts, bro. So the preseason poll is actually kind of fact-filled. It isn't this year, and I'll tell you why in a second, but it historically, 
it kind of has. So the top 25 in the AP preseason poll, let's go through them. Number one, the defending runner-ups, I don't know if you could defend that, North Carolina. Number two, Gonzaga. Three is Houston. Four is Kentucky. And five are the defending national champions, Kansas. Baylor's at six, followed by Duke. UCLA at eight. Creighton at nine. Arkansas at 10. 11 is Tennessee, Texas, Indiana, TCU, Auburn, Villanova, Arizona, Virginia, San Diego State, Alabama's 20, Oregon, Michigan, Illinois, Dayton, and Texas Tech round out the preseason top 25. Just to let you know where those teams stand. There's some other teams in there that received votes but did not make the top 25. And one of those teams is in the conference that I'm about to preview. And I'm a little upset about, we'll talk about that in just a second, but we're going to start with our conference previews now to preview all the teams that you need to know about in college basketball this season. And we are going to start with the ACC, the runner-ups for the national championship hail from Tobacco Road in North Carolina, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who came up just short, three points Short. They scored 69 in the national championship game. Nice. Nice! They fell just short of winning the title game under first-year head coach Hubert Davis. This was first year coaching the Tar Heels as the head man, replacing Roy Williams. Plus, in the ACC, Duke has a new coach for the first time in 40 years. You may remember last season we were all talking about, oh, it's Coach K's farewell show. Well, that didn't end up too well. And Virginia Tech are the defending conference champions for the first time in history. How about that? But to preview our teams in the ACC, let's start with North Carolina. We are taking our trip down to Chapel Hill because North Carolina was an eight seed in the NCAA tournament last year. They knocked off defending champion Baylor, a resurgent UCLA team, and the darlings of the tournament, St. Peter's. Don't forget them. Don't forget the Peacocks. Saint, they beat St. Peter's. And that was just in their region. And then in the Final Four, they got to do the ultimate Carolina fans' dream of beating Coach K in the Final Four. That was the first time Carolina and Duke had ever matched up in the Final Four in Coach K's last game. They also beat him in his last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Like... Carolina fans were living the dream last season, even if they didn't win the national championship game. That was about as good as a season could go without winning the national championship for anybody. Carolina beating legendary coach of their rivals in his last home game and his last game overall. I mean, that definitely makes up for losing to Kansas in the national championship game. This year, almost everyone except for Brady Manick, is back. And that's why Carolina's ranked number one. They have got everybody back, including Armando Baycott, Leaky Black, RJ Davis. Almost everybody is back on this Carolina team. That might be why they're number one in the poll. For the first time since 2016, by the way, and the 10th time overall that Carolina starts the season at number one in the AP poll. Hubert Davis is starting his second season as coach and this Carolina team I think should probably get off to a hard start this season they played ex they played the best basketball of almost anyone except I guess for Kansas in the tournament but they started off the year really slow 
of course, I mean, Hubert Davis was there. He was the top assistant for Roy Williams, but they had trouble kind of getting it going in the beginning. By the end of the season, they were going. But they've got some tests. Ohio State, Michigan in December, Indiana in November. Those are three pretty good Big Ten teams. So we'll see if they can get off to a hot start this season. Now, just remember what you saw in the tournament last year and imagine that happening all season because that's probably what's going to happen with Carolina. They are looking pretty good. The preseason number one in the AP poll usually is. But to their rivals, taking the short drive over to Durham, you can find a Duke team that is dealing with what Carolina was dealing with one season ago, a new head coach. Coach K is gone. His top assistant, John Shire, takes over, who played for Coach K at Duke. The Blue Devils start the year at 7th, and there is certainly a reason why. They lost a bunch of guys. Paolo Bancaro, AJ Griffin, Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore, Mark Williams. They're all gone. But in comes the top recruiting class in the nation. Five-star recruits, Dariq Whitehead, Derek Lively II, Mark Mitchell, and Kyle Lilipowski are all there. They're all five stars for this Duke team. They are just reloaded like normal. It doesn't matter that Paolo was there, and I thought Paolo was incredible, and he's, you know, doing some pretty good things in the NBA this season now. All those guys are gone. All the new guys are coming in, and these are the guys that you're going to have to pay attention to because they are going to be some of the best in college basketball. We're going to have to see if they make up for all the losses that Duke had last year. They've got a massive test against the defending champion Kansas Jayhawks in the second week of the season in the Champions Classic. So that'll be interesting. The one veteran, though, that's going to play big minutes is Jeremy Roach, who was a big part of that team last season. He's back, and he's going to be massive for the overall success of Duke this year. But for me... Don't be surprised to see Duke do what Carolina did last year. Probably start slow and then end up hot. But John Shire's probably going to be a worthy replacement for Coach K. If there ever was one, there probably isn't. But John Shire, just recruiting what he did, because that wasn't really Coach K recruiting last year. That was John Shire. You know, things are looking fine. We'll see what happens, though. Something could go off the rails. But it's probably Carolina's looking fine after Roy Williams. Duke's probably going to be fine after Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. So the only other ACC team to be ranked in the preseason poll are the Virginia Cavaliers, Ugh, 18. Now, I don't understand this because if I remember correctly, the University of Virginia did not make the tournament last year. Another Virginia team did, a couple of Virginia teams actually. Not UVA, though. It's the truth. But they do return their entire squad, basically. Jane Gardner, Kihei Clark, and Reese Beekman are three of the big names for UVA who are back. And Tony Bennett is adding four four-star recruits, including Isaac Trout and Isaac McNeely, who should probably produce for UVA this season. And they struggled last year. Defense, which has been a hallmark of Tony Bennett at UVA, was ninth in the conference last year, but Ken Palm's efficiency ratings already have their defense back up to four. So, I don't know, we'll see. But to make any sort of noise and live up to the preseason hype, which not really deserved at this moment, but the Who's are going to need to improve significantly on the offensive end. We'll see if that happens, 
UVA. We'll see if they can live up to their 18 ranking. You know who should have been ranked, though? The Virginia Tech Hokies. Do you all know? Here we go. Who are the defending ACC tournament champions? It's not the team in Charlottesville. It's the team in Blacksburg. The Virginia Tech Hokies, for some ungodly reason, got a grand total of one. One! Receiving vote in the preseason poll. That, what? You're going to put UVA number 18. But we're going to give the defending ACC champions one vote. Like, what are you doing, AP poll writers? I could make a thousand times a better poll than you all. I mean, that's ridiculous. Know what you're looking at. But by the way, Virginia Tech did lose three of their top producers, Keve Aluma, Storm Murphy, and the Himalene, from a team that wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament without beating Duke at the ACC tournament final. But they looked pretty good at that ACC tournament final. But still, they shouldn't have done that. One vote, are you kidding me? <sighs> I just don't understand. But also, two offensive breakouts from last season, Hunter Couture and Sean Padula, are back. They should be making jumps this season, along with Justin Mutz and Darius Maddox. Transfer Grand Basile comes in, who averaged 18 points per game and 8.5 rebounds per game at Wright State last season. And highly touted recruit Rodney Rice is probably going to make an impact this season. So the Hokies, they're losing a three top guys, but I think they should be okay in the ACC. I don't know why. They're not getting all the hype like UVA, but that's okay. Underdogs. That's what usually happens. So, you know, by the way, I will just note that everybody was laughing at me last year, or I think everybody was laughing at me. In my preseason predictions when I pricked Virginia Tech to win the ACC, look what happened. So, there you go. The Hokies, who have been just treated horribly. It's ridiculous. What are you talking about? But... Let's go to another team in the ACC, Notre Dame, who actually finished second in the conference last season, yet they get no votes in the AP poll. I don't know. They did lose Paul Atkinson, Prentice Hub, and Blake Wesley from last year. That's going to be rough, but J.J. Starling is a five-star recruit. He could be a difference maker for Mike Bray's side this season. And you've got Dane Goodwin and Nate Lajewski who will lead a side that does bring back a lot of depth from last year. So Notre Dame should probably be back in the top half of the ACC, at least this season. It was a surprise to see them second last year. Probably won't be able to replicate that, but you never know. We'll see. And another team, Florida State, is always at the top of the conference somehow under Leonard Hamilton, but they went 10-10 and in the conference last year. So Leonard Hamilton brings in Darren Green Jr. from UCF, adding him to a roster led by Caleb Mills, Jalen Worley, and Baba Miller, who comes from Spain. So how about that? But no player on this Seminoles team has more than one year of experience in Leonard Hamilton's system. That might be an issue, at least early in the season. You would think that Florida State's going to improve from 10-10 and 10 last year, but this amount of roster turnover is really unheard of for Florida State under Leonard Hamilton, so they could go either way this year. I mean, we'll see. But sticking in the state of Florida, Miami, the U, were somewhat of a surprise last year in the 10th season under Jim Laranega. The Canes finished fourth of the conference. They went to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. 
Isaiah Wong is back. Top shooter Nigel Pack comes in from Kansas State. But the Canes do lose Cameron McGusty, Charlie Moore, and Sam Wardenberg. They were all major pieces of last year's team. But I really like Isaiah Wong. He can definitely be exciting for Miami at times. And I think Miami's still going to be able to hang with the big boys at the conference this year. But losing those three guys is going to be tough. So we'll see what happens in South Florida. The Canes, and then elsewhere in the Atlantic Coast Conference, you've got Jim Beheim, who had both of his sons on the team last year. They're both gone this year, and this is his 47th season at Syracuse, which is insane. A Steve Forbes coached Wake Forest team that finished fifth in the conference last year loses ACC Player of the Year Alondis Williams and first round pick Jake LaRavia. That might be tough for Wake Forest. Last place last year, NC State has a Player of the Year candidate in Turkavion Smith, but not much else. And Clemson, Louisville, Boston College, Pitt, and Georgia Tech probably are going to be sticking around at the bottom for yet another year. So, time to make a preseason prediction for the ACC. And I got to say, you might have sensed it in my voice, but it's really hard to go against North Carolina this year. They've got almost everyone back from last year, as I think I said a hundred times. I'm not going to go against them. They should be able to contend and look like it all season long. I've got Carolina taking home the conference crown in the ACC. One conference down, five to go. How about the Big East? On to the first of the bigs, because there's a couple bigs that are conferences. One of the shocks of the offseason, though, was Jay Wright, the Villanova coach, retiring at age 60. He is now going to work at CBS and Turner to call games and work in the studio. So how about that? But he's not there, but that might have opened the door for someone else to win the Big East tournament, which Villanova did last year. Creighton, Providence, and UConn are all looking to follow up on major jumps from last season. And there are a bunch of new coaches in the conference too, which we're going to talk about. But let's start with the most notable coaching change. That is Jay Wright leaving Villanova after 20 years after a Final Four loss to Kansas. So former assistant and Fordham head coach Kyle Neptune takes over at the helm of the Wildcats. And also gone are some pretty big names, Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. But in comes top recruit Kim Whitmore. He's going to go along with Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, Eric Dixon, Justin Moore. When he gets back after tearing his Achilles in the Elite Eight, those are all guys that had a significant impact last season. So Villanova starts the year at number 16 in the poll, which is second out of the two Big East teams that are in there to begin the season. But out of last year's Final Four teams, we had Kansas, Villanova, Duke, and Carolina. I think I would expect Villanova to perform the worst this year, but I do think that they will win at least one NCAA tournament game which they have done in every tournament since 2014. How about that fact? That was a fact. This Nova team is going to look different, though, and it'll be interesting to see how they hold up in this conference because the Big East is deeper probably than it has been in a while this year. So let's take a look at all the other teams, including last season's regular season champions, who almost no one expected for that to happen, Providence. Last season, the Friars had a veteran heavy side that was led by Nate Watson, AJ Reeves, Justin Manaya, and Al Durham that went to the Sweet 16. 
all those guys are gone, so that doesn't help this year. But Jared Bynum, Alan Breed, and Ed Croswell are all returning alongside Bryce Hopkins, who's transferring in from Kentucky. Last year's run definitely made a name of head coach Ed Cooley in the Big East, but he's going to have to work some magic this year if they want to get back to the successes of last season. I mean, Providence is probably going to make the tournament, but it's going to be a different look team for the Friars this year out of Rhode Island. And another team in the Northeast, because that's usually where the Big East teams are, UConn. It's been a bit since UConn were consistently performing well on the med side. You've got to go back to the days of Jim Calhoun, early days of Kevin Ollie. But head coach Danny Hurley looks like he's got the Huskies back to the old days of contending in the Big East. UConn ended last season on a hot streak prior to the first round loss to New Mexico State in the tournament. They won seven of their last nine regular season games. However, the top two players on that squad, Tyrese Martin and RJ Cole, are no longer with the Connecticut team. They're not there this year. This year, though, the Huskies were just two spots away from getting put in the preseason top 25 poll, the other receiving votes. I know another team that's in there. Quit whining. But they're going to be led by a transfer-heavy starting lineup. Among the transfers they've got coming in, East Carolina's Tristan Newton, Texas A&M's Hassan Jara, and Virginia Tech's Naheem Aline. It's probably going to take some time for that team to mesh, but UConn should be a name to watch once again. And the Huskies are probably going to get their hottest just in time for March. Watch out. But out of those two teams, I don't think that they have the best shot at supplanting Villanova at the top of the conference. I think that that honor belongs to Creighton, a team that's not in the Northeast and in the Big East. The Blue Jays lost in the second round of the tournament last year, but it was to the eventual national champion, so that's okay. That team made some noise anyhow last year with Ryan Kochbrenner, Ryan Nemhard, and Arthur Kaluma all coming back from a year ago. While you do subtract Ryan Hawkins, add South Dakota State transfer Baylor Shireman, who averaged 16 points per game, 7.8 rebounds last year for the Jackrabbits. He could be the difference maker for what looks like a team that could not only compete in the conference, but also the country. The Blue Jays from Omaha are also the highest ranked team from the Big East in the preseason poll at ninth. I like Creighton this year. They should be pretty good. But the next three teams are teams I've grouped together for a very specific reason, because they all made not just coaching hires this offseason, splash coaching hires. Let's start with Butler, who made a surprise run of the Big East tournament, still fired their coach Laval Jordan, and hired former Ohio State coach Thad Mata, who, I don't want to be mean, but the man is 55 years old. Look at a picture of him. I'm sorry, but he does not look 55 years old. And he actually coached Butler for a year back in 2000 and 2001. And Mata has several transfers coming in. Manny Bates from NC State, Eric Hunter Jr. from Purdue, and Jalen Thomas from Georgia State. They're going to try and come in a clinch, a tournament spot in Mata's first year. That might be tough. Butler should probably be on the bubble this season, though, but we will see. Seton Hall is another one of those teams. They hired a coach by the name of Shaheen Holloway. Do you know that name? He was the coach 
of last season's Peacocks of St. Peter's, so you should know that name. Who? But Holloway is back at his alma mater, Seton Hall, and he brings with him Casey and Defo from last season's St. Peter's team. Three ACC transfers are coming in too, and Kadre Richmond, Jameer Harris, and Trey Jackson are returning from last year's squad that fell to TCU in the first round of the tournament. Can they get back? We'll have to see if those transfers mesh. And Shaheen Holloway. But now over to Cincinnati, not the school, the city. Xavier. Former Arizona coach Sean Miller has reemerged at Xavier. Miller, of course, was under some heavy controversy at Arizona. He was heavily investigated. And he also coached at Xavier back from 2004 to 2009. So he's back in college basketball. This is the team that won the NIT tournament last year after they fired their coach Travis Steele. And UTEP, University of Texas El Paso, transfers Suli Boom and freshman Desmond Claude and Jim Kraft are joining most of the squad that won the secondary postseason tournament in college basketball last year. Say what you will about Sean Miller, but he is a pretty good basketball coach. And he could get Xavier up the ranks of the Big East. Maybe not this year. But if he sticks around, it's probably going to happen. And the rest of the conference features St. John's, who lost Julian Champagny, but do return Posh Alexander. That'll be a big name in the conference. Marquette, where Shaka Smart's tournament team loses its top two scores from a year ago. Georgetown, who managed to go 0-19 in the Big East last season. And a DePaul team, who is probably going to be just as bad as Georgetown. So that's the Big East. And here's my prediction for the Big East. The conference seems as open as it has been in some time, with UConn still not back to their best. Jay Rice out of the picture in Philly. For that reason and others, I said I like Creighton, I'm taking Creighton. Most people's pick to win the conference in the preseason, but that's who I got winning the Big East. The Blue Jays of Creighton. But now let's go over to the Big 12. For the second season in a row, the Big 12 is home of the reigning national champions. The Kansas Jayhawks, who bring home their fourth national championship and program history it's true but they're gonna have a tough time not just repeating nationally but in the conference they won the conference last year too they're gonna have a tough time the big 12 is absolutely loaded and once again in the running for deepest conference in the country let's start though with the jayhawks who hail from lawrence kansas who won head coach bill self his second title at kansas but the program's first since 2000 and eight. And by the way, I just wanted to note, because I saw this, Kansas loves close national championship games because of the four championships that they've won, only two of them have been decided by more than four points. One of those that was not was the 2008 national championship game, which they won by seven points in overtime over Memphis. And the other was the program's first championship in 1952 under Fog Allen. The Fog is what they call it in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse. That's why, because of Fog Allen. Good to know. Last year, though, Kansas got the 72-69 win over Carolina to win the Natty. Now that team, which tied the regular season conference title with Baylor and coincidentally is actually tied with Baylor at fifth of the preseason poll, they both have 1,200 points each was led by Phenom Ochayabaji, Christian Braun, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson, and Rebby Martin. All those guys were terrific last year. So all those guys are, of course, gone. Except for Jalen Wilson. He returns 
along with Dewan Harris Jr., Bill Self is going to have to rely on pretty capable Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCuller and freshman Grady Dick, MJ Rice, and Ernest Uda Jr. Even with all that production loss from a year ago, don't get ahead of yourself. Kansas is still going to be really good. But there is another team that I do think might have them beat in the conference this year, and that is the Baylor Bears, who I also picked correctly two seasons ago. Just thought I'd throw that out there if you forgot the time 10 minutes ago where I said it, you know. But Baylor was a one seed last year, and they should be pretty good again this year. I think last year, the lack of tournament experience from that national championship team finally caught up with them in that Carolina game that they lost in the second round of the tournament. But this year, they've got a lot of experience from last year's team. Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer are going to be one of the best backcourts that you're going to see in college basketball this season. Flo Thamba, Jonathan Chamuachachua are still critical pieces of this team. Plus, you've got West Virginia transfer Jalen Bridges, who I really like, and potential lottery pick freshman Kinote George, who might ramp up production in the latter half of the season. But make fun of me. I mean, I'm excited about these names. Make fun of me for being excited about these names now. But come March, you'll know why I am. They're going to be running through opponents. This Baylor Bears team, I think, is more reminiscent of the team two years ago than last year. That, of course, is certainly the goal, winning another national championship. It could happen. We'll see for Baylor. But moving down the list of the five Big 12 teams that are ranked in the preseason poll, that's half the conference, by the way, and we find Texas at 12. Head coach Chris Beard's return to his alma mater last season provided an instant jolt for the team, who kind of stagnated under Shaka Smart. And they get a little something else this year with the opening of the Moody Center, which should be a swanky new venue to play basketball in. But on the court, there should be some more cohesiveness after the transfer splatter that that team was last year. Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, and Christian Bishop are the three main guys that are returning. Iowa State transfer Tyrese Hunter is a huge name. And freshman Dylan Mitchell and Arteria Morris are already being looked at closely by NBA scouts. The talent is there. It's probably up there with Kansas and Baylor. And they've locked the top spot in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rating to start the season. Whether it can all come together, which was the big question last year, is another big question for Chris Beard. But I'm thinking that these Longhorns are probably better than last season's team that got a sixth seed in the tournament. Now, 14 in the preseason poll, TCU. I did not expect them to be there. You probably didn't either. I don't know. But it sure seems like head coach Jamie Dixon knows what he's doing in Fort Worth with the main name that you need to know being Mike Miles Jr., looking to average more than last season's 15.4 points per game. It's not a lot of big names in college basketball, but they do have a 6'11 center named Eddie Lampkin. So if I told you they had a name Lampkin, you'd root for him. TC is kind of a mystery. So are they worthy of that 14 spot? We're going to see. They're going to try and improve, though, from last season's team that went out in the second round of the NCAA tournament last year. And rounding up the top 25 is Texas Tech, just sneaking in at the last spot of the poll. Things were not looking good at the beginning of last offseason when Chris Beard left Lubbock to go to Austin. 
But previous Beard assistant, new Texas Tech head coach Mark Adams, put together a surprisingly interesting team last season. Now, the three leading scorers from that team, Bryson Williams, T. Shannon, and Kevin McCullough Jr. are gone, but in comes transfers Davian Harmon and Kevin Walton, who are going to be playing alongside Kevin O'Bonner, who was really good last season. Mark Adams showed us last year that this program is in pretty good hands, and they're definitely going to have to prove themselves once again at 25. We'll see about Texas Tech. Now to the bottom half of the conference, the unranked five, as we could call them right now. That's impressive. Starting with Oklahoma and second-year head coach Porter Moser, who was the head coach at Loyola Chicago before he came to Norman. They skipped out on the dance last year, as in they weren't invited, but transfers Grant Sherfield and Joe Bamasil should help Tanner Groves lead a team that should provide more trouble for the conference this season. Oklahoma State, they don't have Kate Cunningham once again, but Avery Anderson III and Bryce Thompson should improve to find the Cowboys on the bubble this season. Iowa State, remember, they had an incredible run to start the season last year. That really faded as the season progressed and ended. And now that Tyrese Hunter is gone, it looks like Iowa State's going to be more like the team that ended last season than started it. And then you've got West Virginia, who are probably going to struggle to not get their second consecutive sub-500 season under Bob Huggins. Huggy Bear! That's never happened under Bob Huggins at West Virginia. But Texas transfer Trey Mitchell is going to be key. And Baylor assistant Jerome Tang takes over a Kansas State team that, let's be honest, should be okay with bringing up the rear of a loaded conference this season. So for my pick of the Big 12, I'm going to go with Baylor because they have so much talent starting. Their depth is one that will get them far in the tournament, just as it was two seasons ago. I think Kansas and Texas are going to be right there once again, like last year. But I've got the Bears out of the 10-team Big 12. For now, the Big 12's going to be more teams next year. How about that? But the biggest conference size-wise of the Bigs, and the last of the Bigs, is the Big 10. The Big 10's going to get even bigger. Not this year, though. 14 teams are still in the conference. And you know how many teams made the tournament last year out of the Big Ten? Nine. You know how many made it past the first weekend out of those nine? Two. And do you know how many made it to the Elite Eight, the second game of the second weekend? That would be a grand total of zero. Talk about overrated. Blah, blah, blah. The Big Ten. Uh, B1G. We are the most loaded conference. Well, maybe get a team into the Final Four and the Elite Eight. Like, seriously. Give me a break. Big Ten. You have not won a championship since the year 2000. I mean, like, seriously. Come on. Do something. But the teams that could do something, there's a couple this year in the Big Ten. Let's start out with the highest-ranked team in the preseason poll for the conference. It's not Michigan, or Ohio State, or Iowa, or Illinois. It's Indiana. At number 13, the Hoosiers. Oh my gosh, they're back! Indiana, college basketball, it just makes sense. Maybe, we'll see. Mike Woodson's got a team, though, that went 21-14, 9-11 in the conference last year, and they lost in the first round to St. Mary's in the tournament. But guess what? That was last year. This year, Mike Woodson, in his second year at the helm, 
has Trace Jackson Davis, who was a potential player of the year in the conference, if he makes the expected jump he's supposed to, and Xavier Johnson, Tamar Bates, and a highly touted freshman class that is led by Jalen Hood Shafino, getting things hype in Bloomington. It has been a little bit since they were having buzzer beaters against Kentucky. Dickie V was screaming, Oh, oh, I can't believe it! I mean, that's what Indiana wants to get back to in the days of Bob Knight when they were winning championships, just without the uh, choking and chair throwing. Mike Woodson doesn't seem like he would do those things, but he does seem like a very good coach in college. Indiana is most likely going to be a dangerous team at the top of the conference this year. Now let's go to Michigan, who opens at 22 in the poll. They didn't have the best go around of things last year. They come off a number one seed and an Elite Eight appearance. That was 2021, and this year, I don't know what was going on. Juwan Howard started trying to swing at coaches, letting the emotions get the best of himself. I don't know. But even if Howard does all those things, he has proven to be a pretty decent recruiter. Doug McDaniel and Jet Howard are two freshmen you're going to be hearing about for the Wolverines this season, and Duke transfer Joey Baker somehow ended up on the squad. He should do something, I guess. But for all the talk of trouble last year, which, not just by me, by others, this team was still one of those two squads of the Big Ten that made the Sweet 16. They have the potential to get better, but like a lot of teams in this conference, they might get beaten up in conference play. That's what's going on. I talk about the Big Ten being overrated. They got a lot of good teams, but they just beat up on each other all season. But to my point, if you were as deep a conference as you say you are, why do you only have three teams in the AP poll? ACC has three teams, but they're not being as obnoxious about being the greatest conference in the history of college basketball this season or last season or the season before as the Big Ten. But the Big Ten only has three teams in the AP poll. Too bad. That is rounded out by Illinois at number 23. Now, the big name, Kofi Cokeburn, is no longer in Champaign, but could this team be better than in years prior? I think so. They've got guys like Coleman Hawkins, Ty Rogers, freshman Sky Clark, who I think is going to be really good. Big 12 transfers, Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matthew Mayer are definitely going to be really good for Illinois. There's a lot of experience, a lot of talent on that team. Transfer guys they've got coming in are veterans. They just need to come together. If they can, they might be able to piece it together and become a contender, not just for the conference, but I think for Brad Underwood, the national championship. Time will tell, but they may have the best chance out of anyone in the conference to win the first Big Ten championship since 2000. You know how many times the ACC has won the national championship since the year 2000, since Michigan State won it in 2000? Eight. Gash facts. Eight times. Like, get a hold of yourself, Big Ten, please. I don't know why I'm dogging the Big Ten. They got a lot of good teams, including Iowa. There was no player in the conference who was probably as dominant last season as Iowa's Keegan Murray, who was a major piece in a team that won the Big Ten tournament. But Murray is gone. He was drafted fifth overall in the league. But wait a second. He has a twin brother. That's right. Chris Murray is an Iowa Hawkeye. And while he is not his brother, he's still a pretty good basketball player. They're going to be missing Keegan, though. Tony Perkins and the coach's son, Patrick McCaffrey, should be better than last year. 
But I think Iowa ends up at the tournament, but with not as much of a roar, I think, as last season. Now, Ohio State, for them, it hasn't exactly been ideal the last few seasons for their head coach, Chris Holtman. The potential's been there, but ultimately the execution has not. And in comes Oklahoma State transfer Isaac Lekeekle to try and change that. But with EJ Lydell and Malachi Branham gone, young guys Bryce Sensabaugh, Bruce Thornton, and Roddy Gale Jr. are going to have to pick up the slack this year, which they can. But in order to improve in the Big Ten, it might not show off this season. So Ohio State, I don't know. But we boil on with the Boilermakers, who have the conference's biggest dude, literally seven foot four, Zach Eady. But in past years, to couple with Zach Eady, they've had guys like Carson Edwards and Jaden Ivey. Ivey's off to the league this year. They've been able to run the floor, create their own shot, and really help Eady. But does Purdue really have a guy like that this year? They're going to have to rely on Ethan Morton to be their floor general. And freshman Braden Smith, who are not Jaden Ivey, Edie should probably improve on his 14.4 points per game and 7.5 rebounds last year, and he'll still give you a block per game. But this team just does not look as good without Jaden Ivey. But also in the Big Ten, you've got Michigan State. Never count out Michigan State when Tom Izzo is still the coach. They are going to rely on the improvement of guys like Tyson Walker, Jay Nakins, and Joey Hauser. Now, Rutgers are looking to make a third straight appearance in the NCAA tournament, and Paul Mulcahy and Caleb McConnell will definitely have a chance to build on what they did last season. And Wisconsin is probably going to find out the hard way that it is really hard to replace everything that Johnny Davis did for them last season. Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall are going to help, but it's probably just not going to be the same. Maryland has a new coach, Seton Hall's Kevin Willard, and Hakeem Hart, Dante Scott, and Julian Reese Probably are going to have to carry the Terrapins on their backs if they want to get to the tournament this year. I'd say it's unlikely. Penn State and Minnesota, they both have second-year coaches. They should promise last year, but it's probably going to be a while before they're able to compete. And Northwestern and Nebraska both have coaches on the hot seat in Chris Collins and Fred Hoiberg. Things don't look to be getting any better at those two schools. Did you know that for Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska's only had three seasons in program history where they've had 20 or more losses. All three have come under Fred Hoiberg. He is not long for Lincoln. So, how about a prediction for the Big Ten? Really, the one team that stands out at the top is Illinois. In a conference as deep and, okay, dangerous as this one, teams get beat up and then they fall in the first weekend of the tournament. So, you need a team with depth that is extremely talented, that's Illinois. They're probably the best chance to compete for the championship. And you've got a couple guys, including Terrence Shannon Jr., who I think are going to be putting everyone on notice this year. I really like Illinois. Are you sure? So that's the Big Ten. How about the Pac-12? The Conference of Champions. They did not produce a champion last year, but they certainly took a giant leap, I think, in terms of pedigree nationwide. That was headed by Arizona who exploded to the top of the polls last year under first-year head coach Tommy Lloyd. UCLA and USC also did pretty well. They definitely made up for the lack of professional basketball success in LA last year. Sorry, LeBron. Oops! But let's start with the Arizona Wildcats. They went 33-4 last season, 18-2 in the Pac-12, 
ran away with the regular season and tournament titles in the conference. And that was just year one for Tommy Lloyd, the longtime assistant to Mark Few at Gonzaga, who decided to head down to the desert. But Arizona spent a lot of time last season up to number two in the poll. But three huge guys for them last year, Benedict Mathurin, Christian Coloco, and Dallin Terry, are no longer in Tucson. However, the reigning Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year, Pell Larson, is, along with Azulis Tubelis and Texas transfer Courtney Ramey. But with that, it's looking more like there's going to be a sophomore slump for Arizona and Tommy Lloyd. But they should still be one of the best teams out West. Their preseason ranking is number 17. But now let's go to LA. The highest ranked Pac-12 team in the preseason is number 8, UCLA. Now UCLA shocked everybody by going to the Final Four two seasons ago. They had a much better overall season last year. They just lost the Sweet 16. It was to Carolina though. But returning for the Bruins are Jamie Jaquez Jr. and Tiger Campbell, both of whom could definitely be in the running for the best player in the conference. Leading scorer Johnny Juzang is not in Westwood, but five-star recruit Amari Bailey is definitely going to help pick up the slack. Plus, guys like Jalen Clark, David Singleton, and freshman Adam Bona are all going to help UCLA. All that talent, there's a lot of it. And Tiger Campbell and Jamie Jacquez Jr. were there for that Final Four run two years ago. All that talent could bring UCLA back to the mountaintop in Mick Cronin's fourth year. UCLA's got a big history. Just ask Bill Walton, Conference of Champions. I'm a member of the Conference of Champions. But has it been evident recently, this year might be their best chance. How about that? But let's get out of LA for a second. Take the I-5 up to Eugene. And Dana Altman's got another solid Oregon squad that went through some ups and downs last season. Definitely a lot of downs. The Ducks failed to dance for just the second time in Altman's nine-year tenure at Nike's flagship school, but they have the talent this year to redeem themselves. Guys like Will Richardson and Quincy Gear have another year of experience, and young guys like Nate Biddle and five-star recruit Khalil Ware have the potential to be something great for the Ducks. They went 20-15 and 15 last year, and apparently, when you're in the Pac-12, that's not good enough, but... I do think that they will be better and back contending with the top of the conference this season. They rank 21 to start the season. So a detour in Oregon. Let's go down back to LA. USC, they've got to replace two key guys from last year. Isaiah Mobley, who was the brother of Evan Mobley, and the team's leading scorer from last season has moved on. And so has Chavez Goodwin, who shot 57% for the floor last year. So it's time for Boogie Ellis, Drew Peterson, and Reese Dixon Waters to step up and make an impact. They certainly can. They were no slouches last year. And in comes five-star freshman Vince Uwuchukwu to man the paint. There appears to be a little drop-off between the top three in the Pac-12 and everyone else. But I think the Trojans definitely have a chance to surprise some people with their veteran talent this season. Now Stanford actually has a chance to be something this year. Stanford. By the way, I don't know if you've seen the attendance of their football games, but they are giving away free tickets because it is dreadful. Oof. But their basketball team should be better than their football team. Coach Gerard Haas is still looking for his first NCAA tournament in seven years, but Stanford's got a good chance this year. Harrison Ingram and Spencer Jones are going to be the names to watch. 
Washington, the Huskies finished last of the conference three years ago, 11th two years ago, and 7th last season. Now, in order to improve, you need experience, again, and Washington has that with guys like Jamal Bay and P.J. Fuller II and Kentucky transfer Keon Brooks Jr., but in order for Mike Hopkins to keep his job in Seattle, Washington's probably going to have to finish better than 7th in the conference and at least have a chance at the tournament. And from the team that finished 5th of the conference last year, Washington State loses their top four scores, with freshman Muhammad Gay going to be huge if the Cougars want to keep up in the Pac-12, along with transfer Justin Powell. Colorado is also losing lots of production from a team that finished fourth of the conference last year, with KJ Simpson pairing with transfers Ethan Wright and Jabin Gibbon this season. And you've got a struggling Arizona State team where Bobby Hurley absolutely needs Marcus Bagley healthy in order to find any sort of success. Now, at the bottom of the conference, you've got Craig Smith entering his second year as Utah coach after going 4-16 last year, but they've got experience coming back. Transfer Devin Askew could be intriguing for Cal, but for Mark Fox, there's not much else. And remember, two years ago in the tournament, Oregon State made it to the Elite Eight. They were another darling of the tournament. Last year, they managed to go 3-28. and last season. Terrible. And things are not looking much better for Wayne Tinkle. Tinkle! Poor Oregon State. Alright, time to make a pick for the conference out west of the Pac-12. And I think that all four of Arizona, Oregon, UCLA, and USC all have a chance. But I'm gonna go with UCLA. We all know what Jamie Jacques Jr. and Tiger Campbell can do, but if they can add Amari Bailey to that loaded squad, watch out out west. UCLA is my pick. So one more conference to go, and that is the Southeastern Conference. The resurgence of SEC basketball in the last few years has been fun to watch, and it's happened really with Kentucky not being as dominant as in previous years. Eric Musselman and Rick Barnes are doing great things at Arkansas and Tennessee. The two Alabama schools have performed well, and there's lots of intrigue elsewhere in the conference. But can any of these schools break the conference's drought of not winning a national championship? It hasn't been since 2000, but not since Florida went back-to-back in 06 and 07 has an SEC team won the basketball national championship. But probably the best chance is going to be Kentucky. They start the year at number four in the preseason poll and number one overall in Ken Palm's ratings. The Wildcats have the best player in the conference, inarguably, and arguably the best in the country in Oscar Deshibwe, the rare National Player of the Year who decided to come back to school. Now, last year's team is definitely going to be remembered for being the first to fall victim to the Peacocks in the tournament. Sorry, not sorry. But there's a reason why they were a two-seed in the tournament last year. While Deshibwe is the only one of Kentucky's top five scorers returning, that production's going to have to be made up elsewhere. Look at, for instance, Iowa transfer C.J. Frederick. He is a career 46% three-point shooter. Or you can look at five-star freshman Chris Livingston and Kaysen Wallace, because John Calipari can still recruit. And it may take a bit of time for the Cats to get going this year, but they have the talent, and Oscar Deshibwe is a name you need to know, which is why I keep saying it, because he is going to be big in college basketball this season. But I don't think Kentucky is the only team with a chance to win the national championship in this conference this year. 
Enter the Arkansas Razorbacks, the team that knocked out Gonzaga from the tournament, but fell just short of beating Duke and clinching a Final Four berth. They're looking a little different this year, though. J.D. Note and Jalen Williams were the best players on that team. They're both off to the NBA. But this year's team that starts the year ranked number 10 is no slouch. The second-ranked recruiting class in the country comes in. That's headlined by Nick Smith Jr., Jordan Walsh, and Anthony Black. They're all five stars. The past two years, Arkansas has had national top 10 defenses, but this incoming class has the potential to add on something exciting on offense to that defense. By March, I think that Eric Musselman is going to have the Hogs racing towards something big. And in the preseason prediction last year, I picked Arkansas to win the national championship. That didn't turn out, but... Ha ha, loser! They still turned out pretty good last year. And they should be really good again this season. And then we've got Tennessee, number 11 in the poll, which is lower than what they are in football right now. And they're looking to fare better than last year's third seed that fell in the second round of the tournament. Now, leading scorer Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson are no longer in Knoxville, but this is a team that ranks second in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rating to start the season. That is thanks to returning guys Josiah Jordan-James and Zakai Ziegler, and Santiago Vescovi will give the Vols major production on the offensive end. These are quality guys who know how to play together. And then add five-star freshman Julian Phillips and Indiana State transfer Tyreek Key. This is a team that has just as much talent as the teams mentioned before them, and they might be as dangerous as their football team is this year. I don't know. Their football team beat Alabama, so they're pretty good. But it's safe to say, looking at those three teams, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, I mean, they might be as good as any other conference's top three in the country to start the season. The Big 12's right there with Kansas, Baylor, and Texas, but other than that, I mean, there really isn't any other conference that competes this year. It's a fact. So now, let's go down to Tuscaloosa and take a look at the 20th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. It's not Nick Saban coach of the basketball team, it's Nate Oates, but he's also a really good coach. But it hasn't felt like the Tide have taken a step up since Colin Sexton was on that team, and that was a few years ago. After getting knocked out of the tournament in the first round, Keon Ellis, J.D. Davison, and Jane Shackelford are all gone. To replace that massive load, Oates brings in transfers Dominic Welch and Marco Sears, while All-American Brandon Miller is probably going to have an immediate impact. We'll see if those guys can fit into a team that's going to be led by last year's top scorer, Javon Quinterly. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Crimson Tide. But once again, it's not looking like a breakout year. It could be, but it's not looking like it. And that's really what Alabama needs. Now, elsewhere in the state, you've got Auburn, who have been consistently top of the league under Bruce Pearl. They finished at the top of the conference in the regular season last year, but they could not get past the first weekend of the tournament, the NCAA tournament. The Tigers have been consistently at the top of the conference, but this year, they're out Jabari Smith Jr., so that leaves the backcourt up to Katie Johnson and Wendell Green Jr. They're definitely going to be able to produce, but whether they can make up for the lack of Jabari Smith Jr. is a big question. He was huge for Auburn last year. Auburn starts the season at 15 
and they have the talent to be able to back it up, even if it isn't as immense as last year. Now, the sole SEC squad in the state of Texas, for now, are Buzz Williams, Texas A&M Aggies, Brent. A&M made a surprising run in the SEC tournament as an 8 seed. They fell to Tennessee in the championship game, and they just missed out on the NCAA tournament. For the Aggies, though, improvements of guys like Henry Coleman III and Tyrese Radford are going to be key. If those expectations become reality, then Texas A&M is probably going to be on the other side of the bubble into the tournament this season. Now, elsewhere in the Southeastern Conference, you've got Florida, who's got a new coach. They bring in San Francisco head coach Todd Golden and transfers Kyle Lofton, Will Richard, and Trey Bottom are joining Colin Castleton for a team that is looking to get back to the tournament, but it's going to have to do some work to get there, while Florida's old coach, Mike White, replaces Tom Crean at Georgia, and he's got a lot of work to do, even to get his team in contention for the bubble. That's probably not going to happen this year. And at LSU, Will Wade, he's finally out as coach after several, I think, at least years of investigations. Thanks goodness that's over. And Murray State's Mac McMahon is in, but the only player who was a top nine scorer for the Tigers last year who was back is Mwani Wilkinson. So transfers KJ Williams and Justice Hill from Murray State and Adam Miller from Illinois are going to be crucial for LSU to find anything resembling success this year. And then you've got another new coach at Mississippi State Chris Jans, he's a new coach. Their top three scorers return. And Missouri has a new coach in Dennis Gates. He's going to be revamping the other Tigers in the conference. There's three Tigers in the SEC. That's ridiculous. Additionally, Ole Miss, the Rebels, are going to have to hope for some improvement from Dacian Ruffin. Vanderbilt's probably going to struggle with Scottie Pippen Jr. off to the pros. And it's probably going to be a rough year one for former Chattanooga head coach Lamont Paris at South Carolina. So, SEC pick. In my opinion, it's probably going to be a three-man race between Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Out of those three, I'll choose Tennessee. But it'll be really close at the top. But I like Tennessee out of the SEC. So, with that... Those are the six power conferences that you need to know about in college basketball, but not all the teams that you need to know about because there's some teams in other conferences of Division I, some mid-majors, which are going to be making some noise this season. In fact, two of the top three teams of the preseason AP poll are mid-majors. How about that? That starts with Gonzaga, who are number two in the AP poll. Drew Timmy is back. Once again, as Gonzaga and Mark Few are still searching for their first national championship, Chattanooga transfer Malachi Smith is going to be massive, though, and key for an offensive resurgence this year. Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nemhard are out, but Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, and Hunter Salas are going to have to step up, and you would think that they'll be able to this year. But start of the year, number two in the AP poll, as I said, number three overall in Ken Palm. There are high expectations for this Gonzaga team. Whether they could deliver on those is an interesting question, but we might get the chance to answer that question early because before Christmas, they've got Michigan State, Texas, Kentucky, Baylor, and Alabama. 
That's a loaded non-conference schedule, as Gonzaga usually always has, because they play at the West Coast Conference. But they're going to be tested early, so we're going to see what's up in Spokane. And by the way, that game on November 20th, they're playing Kentucky. That game is going to be the first matchup between a returning AP Player of the Year, Kentucky's Oscar DeShibwe, against a returning two-time AP All-American, Gonzaga's Drew Timmy, since December 1st, 1973. That's a big fact. UCLA versus Maryland, Bill Walton against Tom McMillan. How about that? Another game on that non-conference schedule, Michigan State, is going to be played on an aircraft carrier. The USS Abraham Lincoln is where that game is going to be played on the water, but the ship is going to be docked. But they did this several years ago. It was several years ago, but I do remember watching this game. This was back when Obama was president. I think he actually went to the game that was on an aircraft carrier, North Carolina and Michigan State did this back in the day. That was pretty exciting. They haven't done it since, and now they're going to try and do it again. So that'll be interesting to watch. It'll be not just interesting for that aspect, but also the game. We'll see what happens with Michigan State, but Gonzaga is obviously going to be really good. But also in the top three of the AP poll, Houston. They start the year off at number three, repping the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. The Elite Eight is where they got stopped last year. The Final Four two years ago. So is this the year that Kelvin Sampson's side breaks through? It's their last year in the AAC. Next year, they're going to be in the Big 12. So maybe they'll give the conference a little going away present with a national championship. We'll see. Nope. But last year, Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark both missed over 25 games last season. They're both going to be huge pieces for Houston, who should be really good once again. Also in the American, Memphis, who was staying in the American, not going to the Big 12, they almost beat Gonzaga last year. And Imani Bates, the highly touted freshman who, I mean, proved more trouble than good last year, is gone to Eastern Michigan. They were better when he wasn't on the floor last year than when he was. So Memphis can definitely be a decent tournament team. Penny Hardaway is their coach. And so could Cincinnati and potentially even Tulane. Tulane just got into the college football rankings in the AP poll too. What's going on with Tulane? They're pretty good. We'll see if those two teams can make the NCAA tournament Cincinnati and Tulane also in the American Conference. But some other names to watch, mid-majors, San Diego State, they are the third mid-major to be ranked at 19, and they bring back four transfers from last year's team, and Darian Trammell, a transfer to a team that almost beat Creighton in the first round of last year's tournament. You've also got Dayton at number 24. This could be Anthony Grant's best team that he has up in Ohio, potentially with Deron Holmes II, a name to watch. But some other names that you might want to watch out for this season that might help you fill out your bracket in March, UAB, Oral Roberts, Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago is now in the Atlantic 10 Conference, and St. Mary's, as usual, being Gonzaga's biggest foil in the West Coast Conference. And St. Peter's, don't expect to hear much about St. Peter's this year. A totally revamped roster and a new coach. I don't think many power teams are going to have to worry about the Peacocks from Jersey City this year. It's such a shame. 
What a great story that was last year, but... So sad. Alas, you know. All right, so those are the mid-majors, and that is basically our preview, except for one thing. I gotta make my picks. So, I gotta make some fact-filled predictions for the Final Four and the National Championship game, but a reminder of who I picked for my conference champions. For the ACC, I've got Carolina winning this year. In the Big East, I've got Creighton, Big 12 Baylor, Big 10 Illinois, Pac-12 UCLA, and the SEC, I've got Tennessee. So, now the moment that you all have been waiting over an hour on this podcast for my final four picks. And I am proud to say that last year on my college basketball season preview, the teams that I chose for the final four, Gonzaga, Texas, Arkansas, and Michigan, none of them made it to the final four, but who cares? It's a new year. So let's try it out again. And you know what? If I could predict the national champion before March Madness starts, I could predict the national champion before the season starts. Like, please, it's going to be easy. I've got all these predictions filled with facts. This could go a million different ways because of seeding and all that stuff. These teams could be grouped together in the same bracket. But for preview purposes, because we don't know, my final four teams are... Get ready. Baylor, Illinois, North Carolina, and Kentucky. And for my national championship pick, I am going with the fighting Illini of Illinois. How about that? Illinois, who has not won a national championship in the history of the men's NCAA tournament, could win it this year. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, we'll see how that looks at April. But we'll see. So, there you have it. A preview of the 2022-2023 college basketball season. But before I end my preview, there's a couple other things to note regarding college basketball this season. Flopping is now going to be charged as a technical foul, which a lot of fans are grateful for to get rid of flopping, which is blue. Division 1 now has 363 men's basketball playing schools. And by the way, the NCAA is trying to allow 25% of the teams in Division One participate, at least 25%, in all of the postseason tournaments for all the sports, which would mean they are looking at expanding the NCAA tournament from 64, 68 with the play-in right now to potentially 128, somewhere around there, 132, somewhere around there. Disgusting! A lot of fans are like, I don't think so. I mean, that really, to me, 128 teams, even expanding beyond 68, just like, that kills March Madness. That is too many teams. Like, seriously, keep it where it is. Some people want it to expand, but I'm like, no, no, no. 68, 68 teams is fine. Like, seriously. So there's that. COVID cancellations and postponements. I know I just mentioned it, but you're like, oh, no. Those are hopefully a thing of the past. That's kind of what we thought last year. Omicron came. We'll see what happens this winter. But right now, looking like a thing of the past. That hasn't really happened in college football this year. So that's at least a good sign. And then, one final thing that we learned on Monday. Jim Nance, who has called the Final Four in the National Championship game for CBS and Turner for 30 years, he announced that this is going to be his last season calling the final four 
Iron Eagle is going to be taking over for the 2024 tournament. But Nance is still, apparently, he's still going to be presenting the trophy to the national champion each season after the game's over. So that's going to be interesting. We won't see him on any other basketball thing except for that. And he's still going to do golf, and he's still going to do the NFL. But this is going to be Jim Nance's last March Madness tournament. So how about that? So there you go. There you have it. The preview, the fact-filled preview, the only fact-filled preview you're going to find on the entire internet of the 2022-2023 college basketball season from Xander's Facts. That season begins Monday, October 7th, one day before Election Day, less than two weeks away. Then the season concludes with the Final Four in the National Championship game on April 1st and 3rd from NRG Stadium and Houston, Texas. There are your hoops facts from Xander's Facts. How about that? Big game alert! And that's basically all I got for episode 80 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening, everyone. And remember, if you liked all the facts that I had on episode 80 of the podcast, all the hoops facts that I had, Remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, episode 80, rate and review the podcast, then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Sanders Facts is on there, that's Sanders with a Z, and most importantly, Spread Facts! Sanders Facts Podcast, tell all your friends about the podcast and the Sanders Weekend Facts newsletter, which comes out every Sunday morning. Tell them about ZandersFacts.com and the Sanders Facts Shop which is launching this Thursday at noon. It is going to be awesome. Be there or be square, as I said. ZandersFacts.com. Check it out. And also, check out Xander's Facts on YouTube, because this episode is going to be available on YouTube, along with a bunch of our past podcast episodes. Check it out. Xander's Facts on YouTube. So there you go. That is episode 80 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Next week on Monday is the last day of October. You know what that means. Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. But because of that, next week, I'm going to be talking about something super spooky. Midterm elections. Oh my gosh. A couple weeks ago, we had our one month out midterm election preview. Next week is our final midterm elections preview we're calling it our xander's facts super 2022 midterm elections preview it is going to be super there's going to be a ton of facts we are going to take a look at the races that are going to be deciding control of the house and the senate and a bunch of governor's mansions across the country and we're going to be looking at the top issues that voters are thinking about this election season that you're thinking about this election season because you're a voter xander is a voter by the way i did vote so hopefully you are like xander and a voter and if you haven't voted make a plan to vote on election day tuesday november 8th we are obviously going to talk a lot about that that is exclusively what we are talking about next week on episode 81 of the xander's facts podcast but that is it that is a wrap for episode 80 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 81 next week.
Z-A-N-D-E-R-S-F-A-C-T-S.com.